Hello again, everyone. Welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for what the hell is it? The 10th of January, 2022. Happy Tuesday to you. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. I am feeling uh, much better today. And so we return to regular order. Appreciate all the kind emails and everything. And all you crazy people are like, I want your book. Senator Mike Lee is a conservative superstar in the United States Senate. Autograph book. You can, some of you want them. You can go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Sign up, enter to win the book. Autograph book, either this or, man, I don't know, maybe you want me to write something in my book that is blackmail or something. This will be the last copy of my book for a while because I don't know where the rest of them are. I think I maybe have like five to seven of them left. So... I don't know where they are. If I come across them digging through boxes, then I'll offer them up. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're just you're on your own after this one. Or you can uh, you can ask me to send you a, a signed book plate or something. You can put it in your book. Uh, anyway, go check that out. Also, while you're at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast, sign up to support the show and or just go and vote on the length of the show. Or send me messages. You can send me an email and say, you know, longer, shorter, whatever. It's not a scientific poll. It doesn't have to be done through the Patreon page, although it's set up for free so you don't have to be a member or a supporter to do it. Appreciate the feedback. I'm just, you know, looking at ways to grow on the show, and sometimes people go for short stuff. It's not my cup of tea, but it's what other people do. And, uh, you know... Trying to get more people, you got to kind of maybe sit there and think maybe it's uh, maybe it'd be better if it were shorter. I don't know. I'll take your word for it. All right, like I said, we got lots of stuff to get to, so let's get to it. We have a, a lot of things to get to. We got to start off. The President of the United States went down to the southern border over the weekend. Can you believe that? He acknowledged that the southern border exists. He did. He really did. Now, if you're sitting there and you're thinking. Okay, Biden went to the southern border. Where is what what happened? What ha- you're not alone. Nothing happened. Nothing at all happened. What do we mean nothing at all happened? I mean that it was not it was a photo op literally in every literal sense of the 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 term. It was a photo op. There was no reporter interaction there was nothing that wasn't staged it you would think that our southern border is the most secure place on earth it's just this side of the dmz in uh, in north korea in, between north korea and south korea nobody or very few people go across that why because there's all kinds of landmines and what have you and there's military along the whole damn thing you would think that our border was like that but it is not it's not even close. But for one day, the United States government proved that if it wants to, and if it benefits Democrats, they can and will shut down the southern border and there were no illegal crossings in the time that Joe Biden, even in the time in advancing into Joe Biden and in, uh, near El Paso. It's weird. All the reporters covering it were like, wow, there's nobody crossing the border today. It was so sealed 
if you will, that Biden, when he he did not come in contact with a single illegal alien. Now, they're scared to death, of course. They don't want Joe Biden anywhere near an illegal alien because illegal aliens are streaming across the border. They're unvaccinated. They're not only carrying COVID, they're carrying God knows what else. You don't want a an elderly man with a compromised immune system and already his body is struggling to string together coherent sentences and hold it together. You don't want that guy near a bunch of people who could get him sick. So they were already going to be kept at bay, but there was nobody. They went through a facility for processing illegal aliens. And by processing, I mean getting a pinky swear that they'll show up to court in about three years and then sending them on their way, usually with a pocket full of plane tickets, train tickets, or some other way of them wasting our money. That there was nobody in there. Not a single person in there. Now, keep that in mind. They didn't want the president of the United States to be exposed to people who might be contagious. But they're shoveling those people as quickly as humanly possible into the United States for you and I to interact with because, well, we're expendable. To the left, except for themselves, the rest of the great unwashed individuals are expendable. Disposable, really. Why does it matter? Who cares? We'll get one other, some cog dies. We'll get another cog. We'll just throw them all in there. That's how it works. But Joe Biden didn't come in contact with an illegal alien. He didn't come in contact with a single Border Patrol agent who has anything but positive things to say about what Joe Biden is. This is screened and choreographed. To steal a joke from Dennis Miller, few things have been this choreographed since the Lee Harvey Oswald prison transfer. (laughs) And really, it's just amazing how this works. Good. Oh, we got out of the southern border. We got to address the issues on the southern border. They swept clean the streets of the city. It's clean. There were nobody. The week before, the day before, there were piles of illegal aliens sleeping on the streets, begging on the streets, scrambling to survive not speaking, bringing nothing to the table. They literally bring, let me tell you, if you're coming to a country and your first act is to set up a tent on the street given to you by some charitable organization and you uh, start begging immediately, you are not bringing anything to the table. You are not going to be a net plus for society ever. Oh, somebody will pull up and say, well, you can't. There's this one guy, one time he came in and he started a company. Yeah, okay, right, fine. One in three million will do something. Then you're like, wow, that's a net plus to society. The rest of them won't. Most of the rest of them, quite frankly, won't bother to learn English. They're illiterate in their own language. Why would they, why would you think they'd be able to speak English? properly. If you can't speak English in this country, even though well, we're a multicultural society, we blah, 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 we'll celebrate diversity. If you cannot communicate with the vast majority of people in this country, guess what? You're always going to be a second-class citizen. Now, that's perfectly fine with Democrats. They want you to be a second-class citizen. They want you to believe that they're looking. You can't do it for yourself. Don't worry. You're never going to do it for yourself. In comes the Democrats going, we want to do for you. What we have done for Baltimore, for East St. Louis, for Detroit, and being new 
And frankly, being from a, a literal third world hellhole, you can look at parts of Baltimore, parts of East St. Louis and parts of Detroit and go, you know what? This is a step up. I guess they will look for us and you'll vote slavishly. Did I say that? Did I use that word? Yes, I did. For Democrats. Because that's what Democrats are counting on. So Joe Biden goes to the southern border, does not have any interaction with any illegal aliens, meets with, what, four? There's a, it's funny, because I was looking when putting the show together. I'm like, there's got to be something. Whenever the president goes anywhere, what happens? They got the fly-in, there's the meet and greet on the tarmac, and we'll get to Governor Abbott being there to meet him in the letter he gave to him in a second. But then there's there's always some point where the president of the United States comes up near somewhere where reporters are. And the reporters are yelling questions at him. Now it's up to the president whether or not he bothers to answer any questions, but they're they're yelling the questions at him. You can see him. You can see the president. You can kind of pick up. There's audio that comes along with it. There's nothing in this. I was looking for it. There is no Joe Biden standing in front of Border Patrol agents, at least that I've found. Joe Biden standing in front of Border Patrol agents at a microphone, just giving a statement, forget you know, answering questions. He doesn't want to answer questions. They don't want him to answer questions because somebody might ask a real question by accident and he wouldn't have the answer for it. Especially they might point out like, hey, all the all the homeless illegal aliens, and they keep calling them migrants. They're not migrants. They're illegal aliens. All these uh, homeless illegal aliens being swept up off the streets and disappeared so that the streets of El Paso look nice. They look like they used to under the Trump administration. He might get a question about that. Can't have that. So the only thing that I've seen, I haven't even seen footage, there's usually like B-roll of the president walking with a couple of people like it's the opening credit scene of Reservoir Dogs. There was that picture of Biden walking with a couple, maybe four or five border agents, ironically, along the border wall. Along the border, walls don't work. Walls are racist. Walls are terrible. But when Joe Biden goes down to the southern border, he will march, or dare I say, since we're using their vernacular, if you're using their vernacular, he will goose step along the border wall as if he's saying, look at how secure this thing is. Look at this. Nobody's getting across this. Oh, it's not. That's not the problem. It's the giant areas of wide open spaces that you are insisting remain wide open spaces that is the problem, Joe. So it literally was the worst type of photo op. It used to be presidents would go somewhere for a photo opportunity, but it was really, it was so they could look like they cared. So you go to a refugee camp, you go to a border crossing, whatever, and there's like illegal aliens and you sit there and there's the the shot of president so-and-so looking very concerned as they talk to somebody who's fleeing some kind of economic horror or war down in South and Central America. They've got that earnest look on their face like, oh, geez, I hear you. I feel your pain. I'm definitely, yeah, no, 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 that's right. There's Bill Clinton biting his, his bottom lip going, that's just terrible. It's just terrible. In this case, there's nothing because there is no war-torn South or Central America that these people are fleeing. It is their economies suck because, well, quite frankly, their economies are what Democrats want to impose here. Their economies are socialistic. They're further down the road than we are. But that's what they're bringing to the table. Well, 
socialism, they don't, the people crossing the border don't recognize that socialism is what they're actually fleeing. And Democrats, hope to God, they never realize it. The people who live here, who are descendants of people who actually literally did migrate here legally from South and Central America, do recognize it. That's why they're voting more heavily for Republicans than Democrats. So they're going, wait a second, you want to you want to impose here what grandma and grandpa fled in Venezuela? No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not down with that. I don't think that's a good idea. It's like saying you're on a, a boat with a hole in it. Everybody get on this life raft. You know what this life raft could really use? Let's put a hole in this life raft. Like somebody would step up and go, wait a second, why would you? No, I don't think we want to put a hole in this life raft. I think we want the life raft to, to make, we, we just fled a boat with a hole. In. We had to get on the life raft because, the, no, 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 no. Trust me, trust me. If we put a hole in this life raft, it'll be better for everybody. That's essentially what Democrats are, are saying. They don't understand why the Hispanic vote doesn't doesn't vote for them. See, people who vote for Democrats in this country have never really experienced what Democrats want to impose in this country. There's a great picture. I, I retweeted it uh, last night or this morning. And uh, it illustrates perfectly the difference between communists here and communists elsewhere. It is of a rather large, they're both naked, and it's from the Woke Archive, at Woke Archive on Twitter. Communists in the U.S., communists in North Korea. Communists in the U.S. is a morbidly obese woman, naked, sitting, kneeling, facing, leaning her head into another woman who's naked and kneeling the same position who is skin and bones. Communists in the U.S., obese, communists in North Korea, skin and bones, dying of malnutrition. That's the difference. Communists in the U.S., we have the luxury here. People have never really experienced communism. And then they look, they don't look at the real face of communism around the world. Kind of like what Joe Biden did. Oh, you know, there's a constructed thing down at the southern border. Not at all reality. And he's down there. He's the morbidly obese person going, communism. communism. Meanwhile, the people who have experienced communism are going, I don't want to vote anywhere near Democrats. I don't want anything to do with Democrats. They're crazy. They, want, they think this stuff works. It's kind of telling. You really get down to it. It's very, very telling when you get down to it. My God, as I'm sitting here, I'm looking, obviously, I've got two computers open and 10,000 tabs and iPads and everything going around me, two TVs going. And one of my tabs is on Facebook, and I see that uh, friend Mike died. I had no idea. I'm not going to give his last name, but I've known him forever, since well, since ninth grade. We went to different elementary schools. Six kids died apparently uh, yesterday nobody lives in ten lived in tennessee you know no idea tell you life life is short i don't know mike it's the funny quick funny story in memory of of mike here as i process this uh, my friend george and i used to we were always out we were always doing something we were always you know it didn't matter what day of the week what was going on. And once you get past high school, forget it. We go to Canada and, and drink at age 19. There are places you could drink at age 18. And we'd 
always, 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 knowing full well that he never would, and occasionally he would, but he just normally wouldn't, Mike, we'd go to Mike's house and start the night out, knocking on his bedroom window at like 10 or 11. We were, like I say, night owls. Waking him up, trying to convince him to come out with us. No, I don't know. I'm too tired. Mike was always the kind of guy who was always had a cold or was getting a cold or was just over a cold. Always. I don't know if he was always had, if he literally had the cold all the time or not, but he was always like, I'm not feeling good or I'm just getting over not feeling good, so on and so forth. And so we'd go out and then we'd go back at two thirty, three o'clock in the morning after eating some, some chili dogs and drinking a whole bunch of uh, beers and what have you, knock on Mike's window again and tr- just to wake him up for no particular reason whatsoever. It's like it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Mike should not be sleeping. Mike has class tomorrow. Mike has uh, college. Going, we need to go wake up Mike. And so we would do that. Uh, rest in peace, Mike. Uh, it's horrible. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, <clears throat> back to reality. Got a job to do. Looking at a uh, situation down on the southern border where the president of the United States goes down there and sees the false impression of what's going on. I want to play you this clip from Karine Jean-Pierre, who's very historic, but I don't know if I've mentioned that recently. But uh, she's very, very wildly historic. And uh, because of the color of their skin and who she ha- has uh, relations with. Oh, by the way, her wife... It was announced over uh, the weekend, I think it was, that Suzanne Malvo of CNN, she's leaving CNN because she's been there 20 years as a journalist. And I read her statement and it was something along the lines of, well, I want to now follow my passion and uh, go out and fight for social justice. Like, come on, you're going to fight for social justice. We know what you are. The fact that these people in media think they're fooling anybody. No, I'm sick of being just this honest broker, this observer of the human condition and then just reporting on it. I want to actually be an activist. Like, you're not fooling anybody, Suzanne Malvo. Okay? You want, to, you want to go out there and really get in the fight for justice? No, you're probably mad that you're not on TV as much anymore. Your work doesn't really matter. And while your wife is the White House spokesmodel, you could probably make a pretty penny at various um, nonprofits, shall we say, that get a lot of money from corporate profits. But these left-wing nonprofits who are looking for as many ways as humanly possible to say, look at us, we're super diverse. And look at us, we are connected to the White House. So you've got a commodity to sell, Suzanne Malvo, and you're going to sell it. Now, There's a lot wrong with that, but the biggest thing wrong with that is pretending that you're just going to go out into the world and have this uh, devil-may-care attitude, and we'll see how it works out. No. No, you're going to have a soft landing. Whatever you were making, high six figures, low seven figures at CNN, is going to be gigantically surpassed by what they'll be shoveling at you because of your position. Leftists always exploit now if there was a, if this were a conservative white house what do you, do you think anybody was lining up to look at sean spicer took two years or a year to get his job at newsmax fox news announced we're not interested in him ginger goebbels before she left the white house had job offers and had a show offer from msnbc the left take care of their own the right 
meh, there are still a whole bunch of people who worked in the Trump administration who can't find work. Think tanks aren't interested, nonprofits, and nobody's interested. But the left, it doesn't matter. They're all given tenure. Usually, that's what they usually end up. There's a college professor now. You were a deputy undersecretary of lying to the American people and just making stuff up. And now you're a college professor. Hillary Clinton, college professor at Columbia University. Do you think she's going to really show up every single day and teach a course? Or do you think she's going to do like a four semester, four times a semester lecture and teacher's assistants are going to do the jobs? Who do you think is paid more? the teacher's assistants who run the day-to-day activities of the class, or the lady who got half the suckers in the course to sign up for an overpriced Ivy League school. You figure it out. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Back to the uh, the White House mess. Now, this is what's funny about Karen Jean-Pierre. It was really easy to accuse Ginger Goebbels of lying. It really honestly truly was. How and why? Well, because she was not completely dumb. She was just a liar or willing to lie on behalf of her boss. In a way, that's part of the job. It's understandable. But sometimes people just take it a little too far. And Ginger Goebbels took it a little too far. But she at least knew what she was talking about. So when she said something that was false, she got the impression that Jen Psaki was in the room when they were discussing these things because you want to have your messaging team in the room with you while you're discussing certain things so that they can polish the turd that is what you do or what, you, what you're doing. With Karine Jean-Pierre, the historic Karine Jean-Pierre, you don't get the impression that she was in the White House. Forget the room. That she was in the White House when these discussions were going on. I don't know. She's reading it all from her briefing book. She will literally listen to the question and then flip through this huge three-ring binder to the page that is relevant because they're all alphabetized and all tabbed and everything. And then you get there, and then she'll she'll read it. What's worse is she. I don't know who decided that her makeup, you know, that putting makeup on her face like she's a five-year-old is a way to go. Now, I can say this with authority now. At Christmas, Santa, in conjunction with my wife, bought the girls these two little, like they love, they want their make, they want to wear makeup. If they get into my wife's makeup, they smear it all over them faces, whatever. I get it. That's what girls do. It's And it's what society does to them, by the way. We're forcing them. No, that's what they did all on their own. I had nothing to do with it. And I buy them and have bought them nail polish. And believe it or not, I'll sit there and I will polish their nails, their fingers and their toes. I will paint their nails. And they love it. But they always want to make up. And I'm like, I don't know nothing about makeup. You're too young for makeup, blah, blah, blah. And just last year, my sister gave them a makeup kit. And my wife was like, ah, they're too young for this. Well, now they've got their makeup kit. It's not, let's just say No. They know where the stuff goes, but they smear it all over their faces and they just stand in front of the mirror and do this. They don't know when to stop. They, they just know that it's got to go. This goes on the eyelid. This goes on the cheeks. This goes on the lips, blah, blah, blah. It's, there's really not a whole lot of color to it. But Corinne Jean-Pierre, see, I'm getting back to it. Corinne Jean-Pierre is kind of like this because everything that they have or 90% of the things in this kit, it's a small kit, it's probably like 
five things in there. So most everything in this kit has glitter in it. Glitter in it. So to the extent that they do get it on their cheeks or their lip gloss or whatever, there's a little bit of glitter to it. Corinne Jean-Pierre uses that eyeliner, the same, or eye, uh, what the, whatever you put on the eyelid, puts that on her eyes so that when she has, when she blinks, you see this gold glittery thing that looks, I don't know, it's not stripper because strippers are actually better at makeup than, than what she is, but it looks stupid. It's obvious that she has her eyes closed. Now, when she flips through that blinder, to page 542 because somebody asked her for the thousandth day in a row the same question and she doesn't have it memorized and has to read it. She does that little head bop thing like, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking, you, you get it, and blah, 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 blah. But she also is looking down. So all you see is her eyelids. And she looks like she's reading because she is reading. Realistically, if she were smart at all, she'd not use glitter, so it wouldn't be so obvious because you see the the glitter. But if she were really smart, she'd paint eyeballs on her eyelids so it looks like she's talking because she looks, the visual is terrible. Not only does she sound dumb, she doesn't know what she's talking about, but she looks like she doesn't know what she's talking about because she's looking down reading and she's not the best reader. She mispronounces a lot of things. So if she had eyeballs on her eyelids, it might at least look like she's looking at the camera and having a coherent thought. She can't do it, but, you know, just saying. That's the visual you get. And the lies that she tells, she's not very good at it. you got to give retroactively, you appreciate the skillfulness in the art of BSing that Ginger Goebbels brought to the table because Karine Jean-Pierre does not have it. But since... Corinne Jean-Pierre is historic. I mentioned she's historic, right? Because she's historic, they can't fire her. They can't even invite her to move on. Now, maybe a discussion has been laid that, you know, when they get to the one-year anniversary coming up, you might want to consider moving on. And that could be why Suzanne Malvell said, well, I better cash in now. Let me get a three-year contract on uh, far more months of my wife being White House spokesmodel so we can monetize all this crap. But anyway, Corinne Jean-Pierre tried to tell the American public on Friday that the problem at the border has nothing to do with Joe Biden. It's all to do with Donald Trump. See, Donald Trump left them a mess. Now, she can't really pronounce or read or whatever the word inherited all that well. But that's what she says the White House got, a mess. They inherited a mess at the southern border. The president inherited a mess because of what the last administration did. They inherited, a, we inherited a mess. And, uh, you know, Republicans in Congress made it worse by blocking comprehensive immigration reform. And so what you're seeing from this president is he's acting. He's acting to protect, uh, to continue to protect the border, secure the border, and also deal with irregular migration. That is what he's going to continue to do that irregular migration they just keep changing the words they, i think they keep changing the words because they want to see who in the media who in the, in the, the world will just go well, well this is what they're calling it now we must there go therefore go for it because even fox is like well these are migrants 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 they're illegal aliens i'm gonna play that again and i'll stop it 
at the beginning, just right at the very beginning, just because she says uh, we inherited a mess. And then she drops the in twice. Like, I don't know, did somebody in her briefing book put in and inherited as two separate words? I'll stop it, but listen to this. The president inherited a mess because of what the last administration did. They inherited, a, we inherited a mess. Herited, herited, herited. No, no, look, herited is herited a word? No, uh, inherited is a word. Herited is not a word. Now she's in her 50s, I think. How old is Karen Jean-Pierre? Karen Jean-Pierre is 48 years old. Okay, she's 48 years old. If you, by the time you're, I don't know, let's just pretend you're you're 25. Have you ever heard the word herited? Or have you just heard the word inherited? I suspect it's that you've heard the word inherited, right? So if you're sitting there and you're saying that the president, we herited a mess. We inherited and then we herited it. What would even the word mean? Inherited means, okay, inherited. Given to you, you get it from somebody, legacy, whatever, passed on. Herited, if you took out the in, what would that, that even possibly mean? I mean, how dumb do you have to be to do that twice in a row and not catch it? Somebody, is she like Ron Burgundy? Did somebody le- misspell the word? No, because even spell check and word would catch that herited isn't a word. These are the people in charge. We inherited a mess. What you inherited was a border that was relatively secure. You're never going to stop all illegal immigration, but it was relatively secure. And you inherited, inherited or inherited or whatever you want to do, a system where people in third world hellholes said, well, there's no point in going because if we don't sneak past the border patrol, they're just going to send us back. Or we have to wait in Mexico while they process our bogus claims of uh, fleeing oppression. All these sorts of things. You could do all of them. Inherited a mess. You inherited a functioning system that was putting border wall, border barriers up that hundreds of millions of dollars had been spent on. And you said, nope, don't put that up there that are now rotting in large stretches of the southern border because you won't allow them to be put up. Now, I recognize you're pretty dumb, but even you as a dumb person by the age of 45 years old should have come to the realization, if not an understanding, of what happens when two solids meet. I realize you're not a physicist, but when two solids meet, they do not pass through one another. So a physical barrier is a hindrance. Is it perfection? Is it a dome? No, but it is a physical barrier that does prevent a large percentage of illegal alien crossing. If you're at all interested in securing our southern border and protecting our national sovereignty, and I realize I have to laugh at that because we all know you don't mean it. You don't care. You inherited a mess or herited a mess. But to them, what they won't tell you, since they don't know what the word inherited is or that herited isn't a word and they don't seem to understand the definitions of any other word, mess is working to them. 
You inherited something that was working to them. God, I don't know how you can go out there every single day and make a complete jackass of yourself. You're just a clown. And the clown makeup, and you're reading it, and you just go out there, and the next day i got to do it all over again. And how you can have any self-respect, you just don't go to your bosses and say, you guys, I, I, I'm not good at this job. I'm being mocked. Ra-. Well, no, she's not. Saturday Night Live isn't about to mock her because she's on their team. Comedy isn't about making people laugh anymore or isn't speaking truth to power or mocking the powerful or anything. It's about protecting your own team. Stephen Colbert will never make a Corinne Jean-Pierre joke because he's pathetic. They're all pathetic. And to think of what they inherited, it wasn't pathetic, but they've all become... Anyway, enough of that. So while you've got... uh, the historic Karine Jean-Pierre, not knowing what the hell's going on. You've got the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. He's supposed to secure the southern border. By any unit of measure, there is no unit, unless, of course, your objective is the destruction of the United States of America and the complete gutting of the civil society. There is no real unit of measure by which you can look at what Alejandro Mayorkas has done and go, God, that guy's good. That guy's really on the ball. If there is a cabinet secretary who makes Secretary Mayor Pete look competent, it is Alejandro Mayorkas. The population of Dallas, Texas, has marched across the southern border in the last two years. And this guy's going, There's, we've got a handle on this and we're doing everything we can. No, you're not. He, he's either a liar or stupid. I don't know which. I, I suspect it's both. But whatever the case is, this guy does not seem to be a fan of the United States of America. Not in how we do things. In fact, I can't think of a single Democrat who's a fan of the United States of America and how we do things. Now, how can, how can you say that, Derek? What's going on? Well, it's pretty simple. These people are all holding these positions on condition that they preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States of America and implement the laws passed by Congress legitimately and then signed into law by the President of the United States. That's the job of these cabinet secretaries. None of them are doing it. None of them are doing it. Maybe they didn't have the job explained to them. I'll leave room for the fact that they're just too stupid to know what they're supposed to do. But given the plain language of the oath of office that they take, I don't really necessarily believe that. So the only other choice is they don't care. They're actually working towards something else, generally speaking, the destruction of the United States of America, or at least the, uh, in the terms of Barack Obama, the fundamental transformation of the United States of America. I've said it before, it bears repeating. You don't seek to fundamentally transform something you actually love or even really like. Go to your uh, husband or wife tonight and say, honey, I want to fundamentally trans. I love you, but I want to fundamentally transform you. You're going to be met with a, what the hell are you talking about? And then you're going to have to explain yourself. Now, you'd have the benefit of being able to say, what's well, just something that some host told me to tell you. It's just, I wanted to see your reaction. But if you meant it, there'd be some marriage counseling in your future, at a minimum, at a minimum. 
because you don't want to fundamentally transform something you care about. Tweak around the edges, change, sure. Fundamentally transform is different. And these people on the left seek to fundamentally transform the United States of America while simultaneously trying to convince people and doing a fairly decent job of it for, with dumb people that they really do love this country. I don't think they do. Maybe they don't realize they don't. Most of them do. You know, when you get um, Andrew Cuomo up there saying, well, oh, America, what do you mean make America great again? America was never all that great. You know what you're doing. You're exposing yourself for who you are and what you are. You're not fooling anybody. But it is really bizarre when somebody who is currently serving in the cabinet looks at the disaster. Supposed to protect the homeland, supposed to secure our southern border. There are dozens of people on the terror watch list being apprehended at the southern border. And when asked about that, he goes, well, we, we're, we're, we're stopping them. We're, we're doing these sorts of things. If you're catching 50 people, and you're really only encountering or stopping or preventing or apprehending about half to two-thirds of the people marching across the border. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means that you got 50 terrorists. What does that mean? If you just do the straight math, you probably got another 20 that got away at a minimum. Now, what could 20 tell you sit there and you go, 20 people, what can they do? Well, I think of something pretty bad 19 people did. No, it isn't storming the castle, Democrats. It isn't protesting and entering the U.S. Capitol and taking selfies on January 6th. It's September 11th. So sorry to break it to you. If you at all are serious about homeland security, an open southern border is something that should be of concern to you. But it's not. Now, Republicans, thank God, have taken over the House of Representatives and they will investigate Mayorkas. Then this clip, um, Mayorkas appeared on with us, George Snuffleupagus on Sunday. And he's asked about what Kevin McCarthy said back in November. They played what Kevin McCarthy said first, and then they ask Mayorkas about it. His answer, his, he always has a vacant look on his face, which, I don't know, it doesn't really bode well. He could be just a soulless human, but he could also be dumb. Again, six of one, half a dozen of another. The end result is what matters. But he's not about to change. Five million illegals got into the country in the last three years. And he doesn't care. Four dozens of terrorists have been apprehended at the southern border. And that means that probably a dozen more at a minimum got away. He doesn't care. Because... Your security, our security, our nation is not the priority of the Democrats. This is why they're evil. This is why every election matters. This is why you need to defeat these people everywhere they are. And it needs to start at the local level. And this is why those elections at school boards are great. Yes, we didn't do too great or as good as we should have. We did take the House, but we didn't do as good as we should have on the national level. But on a school board level, things ripple up, things bubble up. The school board level, the fight for sanity is engaged and Republicans, conservatives are making advances. It's just going to take a while to not only defeat people like Alejandro Mayorkas, but to undo the damage that he and Joe Biden have done to this country. We start by acknowledging it. Back in November, he suggested that you might be impeached if you don't resign. Here's what he said. If Secretary Mayorkas 
does not resign, House Republicans will investigate every order, every action, and every failure will determine whether we can begin impeachment inquiry. What's your response to the speaker? I am joining the president today uh, on his visit to El Paso, Texas. I've been to the border quite a number of times. I'm joining the president at the North American Leaders Summit in Mexico City uh, to work with our partners in Mexico and Canada to address the security of the homeland. I've got a lot of work to do. I'm proud to do it alongside 250,000 incredibly dedicated and talented individuals in the Department of Homeland Security, and I'm going to continue to do my work. So you have no intention of resigning? I do not. I've got a lot of work to do, and we're going to do it. Now, if Joe Biden had any sense or concern, or maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't, maybe he isn't told. It's entirely, we could have been told and forgotten to, but it's entirely possible that he has no idea what's going on at the southern border because the staff around him keep him completely insulated and isolated from anything. They don't want the boss to know that the, you know, this failure is happening. And until enough of the American people, this is a failure of media too, understand what's going on at the southern border, there's no reason for him to particularly care. Fox viewers aside, even they're referring to it as a migrant crisis, a migrant crisis. A migrant crisis sounds like a, almost a refugee crisis. It sounds, instead of an illegal alien invasion, it's a migrant crisis, it's a migrant crisis. So we can just solve, we'll let the migrants in. They're just coming here for work and they'll leave, right? No, they won't. That's what migrant has always referred to in the past. People are not yet caught up on the fact that Democrats have changed the definition of the word. But if Joe Biden were aware, there's two choices. Joe Biden is unaware because he's clueless and senile, or Joe Biden is aware, in which case he is committing high crimes and misdemeanors and needs to be impeached immediately. Those are the two choices. I don't know which one it is. I'd prefer we start marching down the impeachment parade and then we find out if it's just a 25th Amendment issue. But it is abundantly clear, given the failures of this administration, under the leadership of Alejandro Mayorkas that on the southern border, that they don't give a damn. Or they don't know. They don't know, now they know. If they that leaves, they don't give a damn. Because under normal circumstances, if you were in charge, let's just say uh, when I was working retail, I was uh, working in a record store, and it was a corporate record store. It was a chain across the country. There was a guy who did security for our region, I guess. I never actually saw the guy. All I was told is that every once in a while, you'd see a guy standing in the window of Winkleman's across the hallway. And I never actually saw it, but that's what I was told would happen or has happened in the past. And he looks like Rick Moranis. And he's the guy making sure that employees aren't stealing. It was weird. I never saw him. I mean, he probably was there, but I never saw him. Because looks like Rick Moranis. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But his job was to prevent theft and to make sure that whatever theft was happening was less and less. Now, you do your annual inventory, you know what the shrinkage is. I'm not talking about a cold pool. I'm talking about uh, theft. If his job was, well, we had 4% shrinkage last year, and this year we've got 3% shrinkage, then he is doing whatever it is, whatever his job is, he's doing it well, right? Theoretically. 
It's not just preventing employee theft. He's implementing other policies that prevent theft in general, security alarms, whatever it is. But if it's a 4% shrinkage and it goes to 9, 10% shrinkage one year, he'd more than likely be fired. He'd more than likely be 9 or 10% doesn't sneak up on you. You'd probably have monthly reports and you would then go, well, three months into this, you need to really, this isn't an anomaly. This is starting to be a trend. You're going to have to turn things around, Rick Moranis lookalike. Then you don't. Three months later, you're probably out on your rear end. We get monthly reports from the southern border of the number of encounters, the number of releases, and then a number of the people who got away. That you know, They're like, oh, we saw them on infrared drone camera, but we weren't able to go out there and get those 50 people running across the desert in the middle of the night because everybody was too busy sweeping up homeless people for Joe Biden's photo op visit to El Paso, that sort of thing. The numbers have done nothing but get worse under Alejandro Mayorkas. If there was any concern whatsoever for the border integrity of the United States, for the sovereignty of the United States, for accountability, for the money, the billions that we spend on border security, actually securing the southern border, Alejandro Mayorkas would be fired. If there were any sense of decency in Alejandro Mayorkas, he would look at him doing his job and go, I am ill-suited to this. I am incapable of this, be it because I simply don't care about securing the southern border, I hate the United States, whatever it is. If he had any integrity whatsoever, he would resign. He would go, well, this is not my cup of meat. I'm out of here. He's not. He doesn't. It isn't happening. So he is doing exactly what he wants. The the Biden administration knows how bad he is at the job or how good he is at the job. Maybe it's that. They know what he's doing. They know the numbers. They see the numbers. Every month it is a new record, not only a historic record, but it's breaking the historic record that they set just the previous year when they go month to month. It doesn't bother them. This might be at the directive. This must be. I mean, you have to look at it and go, well, Mallorca sucks at the job. Why doesn't Biden fire him? But it must be because Biden wants him to do the job in a way that sucks, right? At which point you have to go back to the oath of office that the president of the United States takes. And then you have to look at what Joe Biden is doing with these people and in this position, and you have to recognize that he is in direct violation of that oath of office. If there is a case for impeachment, that would be it. Preserve, protect, defend. The president has a job to do. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States and faithfully execute the laws of the United States of America. The laws of the United States of America are not faithfully being executed. They are unfaithfully not being executed. If that isn't a high crime and misdemeanor, but somehow a phone call to the Ukrainian puppet president saying, hey, uh, you know, you guys have some corruption over there and there might be some tie-in to the United States with corrupt Democratic politicians. A real serious investigation might be helpful in that. If that's impeachable and looking at 
our southern border and going, you know what? Red Rover game. Let's all come up. But nobody hold hands. Just let everybody in. If that, in clear violation of our national immigration laws, isn't impeachable, then we're screwed as a country. With Republicans taking over the House of Representatives, they have promised to hold Mayorkas at a minimum accountable. It will be interesting to see if these Democrats who found a newfound respect for, my God, you must uh, reflect, respect congressional subpoenas, etc., etc., if when their team is subject to them, if they share that thing, it'll be interesting to see if Mayorkas will come in and say, I am doing the will of the president. I am following the orders of the president of the United States, or if it's just he's so incompetent that he doesn't know any better. I don't know which it is. It's probably a little from column A, a little from column B. Nothing would surprise me with these clowns. But it's worth noting that they should, the president of the United States, if he has a hand, this is his policy. If we get Mayorkas on record saying that this is, and you have to assume it, the president's cool with it because he hasn't fired Mayorkas. That's a high crime and misdemeanor. And Joe Biden needs to, uh, there needs to be the start of an impeachment inquiry almost immediately, if not sooner. Now we shift from the southern border to the eastern border. The United States Capitol. I don't know how you spent your Friday night, but if it wasn't watching C-SPAN, you lead a much more interesting life than I do. I uh, was watching, it wasn't even watching c I did flip over to C-SPAN for a while. This is why I hate cable. I kept flipping between uh, CNN, MSNBC, and Fox. Because they all had little shots of here's the screen of what's happening on the House floor and then here's all of our talking head idiots rambling on about whatever and talking over the dialogue that's happening on the House floor. And it's like, well, I want to see what's happening. I want to hear what they're saying on the House floor. I don't want to miss it as these idiots, these talking heads. It's nothing worse than somebody narrating over something telling you exactly what you're seeing. Right, well, or here's what they're saying. How about you just let them speak? How about you let us see and hear what's going on? You can shut the hell up for a minute and let us. And none of these cable networks allow for that. None of, they're all terrified of anybody thinking for themselves. If, it were, if they weren't, they'd just go, here's the information. Digest it. Figure it out. It's all you now. They do not do that. They are terrified at the prospect. So... I'm watching whatever. I think at this one particular moment, it was Fox. And I see people speaking from the podium. I'm like, I want to know what's going on. And the guy's like, well, here's what will happen next. Like, well, it's happening right now. How about you just shut the hell up? So I flipped over to C-SPAN about 11 o'clock. And it was the 14th vote. And it was the vote where four people voted for other you know, names of people who don't want to be Speaker of the House. And two people, Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates, voted present. And they thought, oh, that might change the math. Will that? No, it's still, it has to be a clear majority. The four idiots voting for other people had to vote for present for it to get, the deal had been struck, but they couldn't even do math, right? You want to know how incompetent some members of Congress are? Like, we cut a deal. Uh, one of them was supposed to vote for McCarthy. They didn't because apparently Lauren Boebert, I don't know, forgot what she had agreed to 10 minutes earlier, or she's just not particularly 
honest. I don't know which. I don't care which. So they had to go to a 15th vote. There was a point at which Mike Rogers uh, and Congressman Mike Rogers and Congressman Matt Gates were. Mike Rogers had to be, they always say, he had to be restrained. He had to be, so what? Honestly, do you, one member in the 1800s beat the hell out of, almost killed another member of the Congress with a cane on the floor of the House. These things are not uncommon. They get mad at each other. Who cares? Get over it. But uh, they eventually got around to the 15th vote, at which time they passed or they got a majority and Kevin McCarthy was elected Speaker of the House. What's telling here is right then all the pomp and circumstance starts. Kevin McCarthy's from California, so the entire California delegation was called out by name to go in. It's so stupid. They're all in the chamber. And they go, now you got to go out of the chamber so you can come back in the chamber as a group. Like, well, we're all here already. Let's forget the pomp and circumstance. It's not like, I mean, there's a tradition of it, but who cares? It's a stupid tradition. You can kind of just let it go. But they all go on. It takes about 20 minutes to get everybody out of the chamber so that they can come back in the chamber and go, oh, hey, look, we got a thing. And Hakeem Jeffries was elected leader of the Democrats. Hakeem Jeffries, congressman from New York. He's brought in and he has to present the gavel to the new Speaker of the House. That's the way it works. Tradition is the minority leader comes in and says something nice, unifying. This will be one of the few times in the year that they do pomp and circumstance where it's everybody's kind of nice to each other. And the rest of the time, it's my good friend this and my good friend that and my colleague, and they don't mean it. It's just what they're required to say. But at this time, the minority leader is required or traditionally says nice things about the incoming speaker. Very short speech. It's all pro forma. Well... Hakeem Jeffries couldn't bring himself to do that because deep down Democrats aren't decent people. Deep down Democrats aren't good people. Deep down Democrats barely qualify as people. They are parts of a collective. They do not have the individuality of a human being that you would want to be friends with. They are all about their goal, their objective. The individual is to be sacrificed. Individuality is to be sacrificed. And since they are now so conditioned to be mindless automatons hell-bent on the destruction of the United States of America and the destruction of anything that is good about this country, there was no, my good friend Kevin McCarthy, I want to congratulate him. We look forward to working together as the loyal... That should be what the speech was. Instead, we got a five-minute diatribe that proves that Hakeem Jeffries is incapable of not being a complete post-digested food exit port on the human body. And of course, the barking seal audience of Democrats stood up and cheered for it like they were hoping to have fish thrown into their mouths. It was pathetic. It was disgusting. I want to play a clip of it. It's about a minute long, the end, 
where Hakeem Jeffries... Now, remember, this is a moment where they're supposed to be traditionally... My good friend, and congratulations on becoming Speaker of the House. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to work against you. But we're all in this together. We're all Americans. Blah, blah, blah. Democrats nowadays are incapable of simple human decency or common courtesy. And so you end up with this. House Democrats will always put American values over autocracy. Benevolence over bigotry. The Constitution over the cult. Democracy over demagogues. Economic opportunity over extremism. Freedom over fascism. Governing over gaslighting. Hopefulness over hatred. Inclusion over isolation. Justice over judicial overreach. Knowledge over kangaroo courts. Liberty over limitation. Maturity over Mar-a-Lago. Normalcy over negativity. Opportunity over obstruction. People over politics. Quality of life issues over QAnon. Reason over racism. Substance over slander. Triumph over tyranny. Understanding over ugliness. Voting rights over voter suppression. Working families over the well-connected. Xenial over xenophobia. Yes, we can over you can't do it. And zealous representation over zero-sum confrontation. You're embarrassed for him. What a bad person Hakeem Jeffries is. Of course, Hakeem Jeffries has a long and storied history of racism himself. His uncle is a college professor up in the city university system of New York. He came up with this bizarre philosophy Rush Limbaugh used to talk about, point out how absurd it was, about black people being sun people and everybody else being bad. It's it's total and complete racism, but once you get tenure, you can be a total and complete racist and it doesn't really matter. But that is where Hakeem Jeffries is coming from. That's how it, it had an opportunity. It tells you a lot about somebody that when they have an opportunity to be a decent human being and they pass on it, it lets you know about something about them, doesn't it? It lets you know a lot about them, doesn't it? Now, Hakeem Jeffries showed you who he is. Why would any Republican dare bother wasting time dealing with these people. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. But just to put a fine point on it, there's the, the in the pantheon of greatest hits of Hakeem Jeffries and his racism and indifference towards racism. This clip from last year at a hearing where somebody, a, a, a witness, pointed out how Democrats really hate Clarence Thomas and they're racist towards Clarence Thomas. Hakeem Jeffries asked for an example. The witness gives him an example. Then Hakeem Jeffries interrupts and says he doesn't really care, it doesn't really matter. And you'll not hear Hakeem Jeffries defend, well, you, you, he defends racism here. He defends calling Clarence Thomas and Uncle Tom. He really does. He doesn't. He doesn't see a problem. It's about. It's a matter of free speech. Now, how much matter of free speech do you think that Hakeem Jeffries would extend to anybody who disagrees with him? But if you're a Democrat in good standing, you can be a racist piece of crap. Hakeem Jeffries will defend you, because that's who Hakeem Jeffries is. 
this exchange is is something to behold. And at the end, the guy says, "Well, I give you, I'll give you. Let me give you another example." And Hakeem Jeffries' answer was no, because he realized that he opened a can of whoop ass on himself with the first one. Steve, uh, Mr. Paoletta, you've echoed a similar sentiment. I think your quote is: "Many on the left hate Justice Thomas because he is a black conservative." was never bowed to those who demand that he must think a certain way because of the color of his skin. What evidence do you have to support that uh, incendiary charge? Uh, When Chairman uh, Benny Thompson calls him an Uncle Tom because of his views on voter ID and affirmative action, when in fact more black Americans support voter ID and with respect to affirmative action in college education, they're 62% opposed to it. So, so that is the most vile, disgusting thing you can say. And, and, and so, yes, yeah, recla- that's, 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 re- re- that's the evidence my time. that I just reclaiming, gave you. Reclaiming my time. Yes. There are a lot of vile, disgusting things that can Well, you be just said. asked me for an example. The, the notion that that is, right, when some members on this side of the aisle and others have been called the N-word throughout different points of our life belies uh, the point that you have a particular bias uh, and it's an overstatement, which is not surprising when you look at the balance of your testimony. And if Chairman Benny Thompson uh, has an observation to make, uh, he's entitled to free speech. You apparently believe that Jenny Thomas, regardless of how many conflicts uh, she has, is entitled to her own political opinions uh, as well. Uh, Can I give you another example? No. <laughs> no. I'll give you another example. I'll give you plenty of examples. No. No, I could tell you about the time Ebony Magazine put uh, a caricature of Clarence Thomas on the cover as a lawn jockey. And the caption was Uncle Thomas, lawn jockey for the political right. We could talk about that. No, 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 we don't want that. No, no, don't say that. Don't say these. Don't do the other thing. See, Hakeem Jeffries is a champion and a big, he's hugely opposed to racism because if you just look you listen to them. some people on the left have been called the n-word you notice hakeem jeffries asked for an example and got one and didn't like it and then he offered up a concept not examples some people on this side of the aisle have been called the n-word possibly probably no question about it it happens everywhere. People get called all sorts of horrible things. But one would think that you'd be able to point out an example of that, right? And this one particular time, so-and-so, or I was called the N-word under these circumstances. He's trying to imply that the people calling those Democrats the N-word are Republicans. He can't. He can't point it out. He can't say it. He can't do anything. So he just says it out there. And it, of course, went unchallenged and uncommented on because that's what the left lives on. That's how they live. That's how they survive. You have Democrats during the debate over Obamacare. Remember that? When Nancy Pelosi back in 2010 decided rather than going to the U.S. Capitol from the House office buildings the way she always does and she doesn't actually her office is in the capitol she didn't she doesn't go to the house office building her office is in the capitol but she went over to the house office buildings through the tunnels there are tunnels under there expressly so she could lead the black caucus 
to the Capitol for the quote-unquote historic vote. Now, there were a bunch of people outside who were protesting against the vote on Obamacare. And you had Nancy Pelosi marching through there, carrying the gavel, surrounded by security. And then there's John, historic civil rights champion, John Lewis, and a whole bunch of other Democrats marching through the crowd. There they go, marching through the crowd. Then they get to the Capitol, and it was uneventful. There were people yelling at them, but it was uneventful. Then what happened? Stories come out. They were yelling the N-word at us. What do you mean they were yelling the N-word at you? Every step of that walk was filmed by the people in it, by the media, by everybody. No N-word at all recorded on the audio. But oh, no, no, it was. we heard it. We heard it. It's true. It's terrible. John Lewis, civil rights legend John Lewis, lied about it. He flat out lied about it. Andrew Breitbart then offered $10,000 to anybody who could produce evidence that anyone in that conga line of leftists was called the N-word. That money to this day, it's still available. If you, you can go through and comb through the footage. You can go through, you can claim that money now. To this day, Breitbart will still pay you. Nobody has ever claimed it because it was a lie. It was BS. It was garbage. So you sit here and you have Hakeem Jeffries say, well, okay, yeah, the head of the Congressional Black Caucus did call Clarence Thomas and Uncle Tom, but, you know, in his lifetime, he'd been called stuff too, so I don't know what you want from me. Huh. Is that some sort of weird justification for calling... Clarence Thomas to racial slurs. That I, mean, I don't understand how this works. Is this a game? Who's been called something more frequently or who's been called something worse, therefore dictates terms or whatever? Like, how the hell do you figure this? How does that work? They don't have an answer. When pushed back on, they can't respond. When called out, they are lost. They live in such an isolated world. And that's why watching this thing, this, this vote on Friday, Kevin McCarthy, missed, Kevin McCarthy was magnanimous in his accepting of the speakership and his first act of gaveling in and swearing at everybody. He was, he was fine. He didn't respond to Hakeem Jeffries the way I would have. Now, he's much more diplomatic than I am. But I would have responded and said, you know, I'm very disappointed. In, my, in a time to come together, you can always count on a Democrat to be, you know, counterproductive or worthless or however you want to put it. Call him out for it. Point it out. But he didn't. One thing Kevin McCarthy did do, because Hakeem Jeffries just showing how demented, how sick and how committed to this partisan hack lie game that they're playing, how committed Democrats are. Hakeem Jeffries was elected unanimously by Democrats to be their leader. And he had, there was no dissent. Nobody dared not vote for Hakeem Jeffries at all. But at the end, Kevin McCarthy did have a warning for him. It won't really come to pass because, like I say, Democrats are a hive mind. Kevin McCarthy said, I'm going to warn my friend Ke uh, Hakeem Jeffries that two years ago I was the unanimous choice of my caucus too. <laughs> It's funny because it's true. It's sad for the same reason. 
It's just a reminder of just how awful Democrats truly are. So you've got this situation in Brazil now. Have you seen this? The left is going absolutely berserk. They're looking at it as a chance to attack Donald Trump and attack Republicans again because the alternative would be for them to do stuff. And Democrats don't have the ability to do stuff. They don't have the desire. To, well, they have the desire to do things, but they don't want you to know what it is what they want to do. So there were a bunch of protesters. They stormed and rampaged the Capitol down in Brazil and the Supreme Court. Not good, certainly not good. But they're insisting that the election was stolen. I don't honestly care what happens in Brazil. But the thing is that uh, Bolsonaro, the former president of Brazil, is now in Florida. Whether he's moved to Florida, because the, the Brazilians, the winner, if you can call it that, of the election down in Brazil is a guy named Lula da Silva. He's a left-wing radical. He's a communist, and he desperately wants to imprison his opponents, political opponents, and what have you. It's a, it's a disaster. And so you end up with a situation where Bolsonaro, I imagine, got the hell out of Dodge because he's like, you know what? I don't want to have anything to do with this. The people looked at it, and they said, we got to go. We're going to go and, and protest. They got out of hand. There's no question they got out of hand. But now they've got Democrats sitting there saying, well, this is just like MAGA. This is a MAGA copycat. This is so... No. Neither side took over. Nobody took over anything with anything other than to just get angry. But whatever. That's beside the point. They're saying that Bolsonaro is hiding in Florida, that Bolsonaro needs to be extradited back to Brazil. There's no evidence that Bolsonaro did a damn thing to have anything to do with this, that the people just simply went crazy for whatever reason. It is a third world country. Things do go awry in third world countries. I hate to break it to leftists. I understand that they want to romanticize the concept of third world countries so as to make it appealing uh, the end result of what they're trying to do to this country. Go, you know what? It's very romantic. Look, poverty is a wonderful thing. Poverty, the idea that poverty is a bad thing is one of those myths that white people advanced to, for white privilege. Uh, the, the fight against poverty is nothing but white supremacy masking itself as economic policy or something like that. But things go awry in third world countries pretty damn regularly, including election corruption, I might say. I don't know what happened in the election down there. But I don't care. Brazil wants to tear itself apart. Brazil wants to have a fight over They're fine to do it, whatever they do. It's not the United States of America. But the idea that Bolsonaro is responsible for this and therefore must be extradited back to Brazil was something that Democrats were floating on the Sunday shows this week. It's weird because the Brazilian government hasn't accused him of anything. They haven't charged him with anything. You should normally wait if you're going to embrace a fascistic leftist dictator's demands for justice or whatever they're what they're calling justice. You should probably wait until those demands are made with the Lula government down there. They didn't make any of these demands yet. Democrats jumped the gun. They exposed themselves for who they truly are before they had a chance to get the cover of, well, the Brazilian government is asking for this. It's really kind of funny to watch. It's sad, too. 
I wish that there were peace and peaceful transitions of power and no corruption or anything like that, but that's just not the world we live in. That's why I don't... We're the, us in Canada are pretty much it in this hemisphere, which is why I have no interest in ever really vacationing south of the, the border. I don't want to go anywhere where coups are common and kidnapping is a top three industry. I'm old-fashioned that way. As we uh, begin to wrap it up here for today, I want to... Uh, I, I didn't... I thought about watching 60 Minutes. I I try to stay up on the news. You know, you kind of got a job to do, and the job is to keep up with all the aspects of the news. But I can't bring myself to give a damn about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. I just can't. And I you can't avoid it. You hear them sit there and they, they give their sad tale of woe about, oh, things are so terrible and everybody's so mean. and They were mean to me. And blah, 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 blah. I just can't care. I don't believe it, first of all, because the people around the monarchy, they don't strike me as complete and total morons. You know, that's the one thing. Is they don't strike me as complete. They they know what they're doing. They're pretty damn good at what they do. So they know what they're talking about. They're not going to sit there and go, "Well, Megan's a meanie and she's black and we don't like her because she's black and we got to find a way." That's just not how it works. I don't believe that's how it works. They also, I don't believe. <laughs> Prince Harry so stupid he claims. Well, I uh, I wore that Nazi uniform when I was younger on Halloween because my brother and sister-in-law told me I should wear the Nazi uniform. Well, I doubt it. But if they did, you're still the idiot who listened to them. Okay? I just to say that. And oh, they got into it. I never had a fight with my brother. My brother, quite frankly, would have kicked my ass. He's 10 years older than me. And when he was around the house... I, you know, I was like you know, 10 years old. Our interactions mostly involved him telling me to get him the phone and then him telling me to hang up the phone. <laughs> if anything, I should sue him for the indentured servitude that I was. Give me the, he stretched those phone cords. Now, anybody under 30 doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about with phone cords, but there were these things called landlines that were tethered to the wall. And yeah, and to get the phone. And there's... You had to hold that stupid button in on the phone to hang up. Now, that again is going to be one of those things. Well, my job wasn't really my job. My brother had me constantly going and getting the phone for him, answering the phone for him, hanging up the phone for him. He'd lay on the couch 10 feet away. And the guy was ripped, too. Like, how the hell did you ever burn a calorie? Because he played baseball and hockey. But he'd just lay on the couch, hang this up for me. Give me this. Do this. Do the other thing. And your big brother, you do it. You want to do it. But uh, if he'd ever said, hey, dress up like a Nazi, I'd like to think at some point I'd go, no, you, no, no, you're good. I'm good. You you do whatever you, I'm not. There was one time my brother embarrassed me. He didn't embarrass, I don't know why I was embarrassed. It was just, you know, one of those things. We're driving, he had a Camaro, as every big brother should have a Camaro. We're driving in that, and there's a girl on a 10-speed riding her bike along the road. And uh, he goes, hey, uh, hoot and holler, whistle at her, whatever. So I, hey, baby, whatever. I was maybe seven. 
And I give the the whistle out the window, and she must have saw me. And on the way home from whatever hockey event we were going, because we usually had hockey things on the same day, he's taking me through the drive-thru at McDonald's. And damn it if that girl isn't working the drive-thru at McDonald's. And damn it if that girl doesn't remember me hanging out of the T-topped Camaro, screaming at her as she's riding her bike to work. I think my brother might have gotten a date out of it, too. But I just got embarrassed. That was the jerk who did it. It was a different time then. Different time. Now we would have been both brought up on hate crime charges. And she would have spit in our food. But I think I think that uh, they might have had a date. Didn't go anywhere. But uh, they might have had a date. But Harry is saying that him and William, they got into fights. And he pushed him down. And he hit a dog bowl. And he cut his back. And he's sitting there going, what? This is all kind of family stuff. I get it. Your your family's different in that your family takes a solid BM and the media writes about it. It's different in that sense. But in general, who cares? Get over yourself. So um, one of the things that 60 Minutes did, because you're, you're going to be neck deep in Harry for the next two weeks at least because they need to sell something like 1.7 million copies of his book the publisher does in order to break even which is it's tough michelle obama's book the first one not this last one but the first book becoming was the biggest selling book in a long long time non-fiction book and it sold over a million copies just over a million copies maybe maybe a million and a half it's huge. Mark Levin's books, a couple of them have sold a million copies. Huge, huge numbers. But uh, for Prince Harry to sell 1.7 million, that's going to be massive. It's going to be tough because the UK is a much smaller market. Very few people buy books. So a smaller market, a small percentage of a small market. He needs to sell some books in the US. So you're going to be inundated with Harry and palace intrigue and all this, that and the other thing. And to its credit, Buckingham Palace and the royal family that aren't royal pains, they have remained mostly silent about this. Because why waste your time on this crap? So 60 Minutes, they had a whole list of things that Harry was accusing everybody and their brother of. Oh my goodness, they're just so mean. They're just so mean to the ginger who's probably not actually... Prince Charles's kid, one of uh, Diana's boyfriends, looks an awful lot like this guy, just like Justin Trudeau looks an awful lot like Fidel Castro. It's possible, it's entirely possible, and in sometimes you just recognize it as as probable. Anyway, sixty Minutes reached out with their litany of allegations from Harry from their interview to Buckingham Palace, and Buckingham Palace said, "Well." We want to see the package. We don't know what the hell. We're not going to take your word for it, random producer of 60 Minutes. We're going to need to see some what you want us to comment on. And 60 Minutes, they still live in a world. Anderson Cooper lives in a world where 60 Minutes is taken seriously and where 60 Minutes is looked at as a the pinnacle of journalistic excellence, the pinnacle of journalistic decency. And that's just not the case anymore. No one in their right mind would take these people's word for anything. They comment and said, so-and-so said such and such about you. What do you have to say about it? Well, can I see the context? No, no, we don't do that. So it's cute when these leftist journalists, if you can call them journalists, pretend to play 
integrity marinated reporters. And that's what this clip is. And good on Buckingham Palace for telling them to get bent. We reached out to Buckingham Palace for comment. Its representatives demanded that before considering responding, 60 Minutes provide them with our report prior to airing it tonight, which is something we never do. We never do. We would never, ever give anybody full and complete context of uh, what we're asking them to comment on. Well, that would be absurd. That would be, why would anybody do such a thing? Remember, this 60 Minutes is, you know, it's still considered the gold standard for journalism. But they're the ones, Leslie Stahl is the one out there talking about how we could, you know, when Donald Trump said in that interview, the Russian, uh, the, uh, what you call it, the Hunter Biden laptop is a legit news story and tried to cite some of the information that is on that laptop. Leslie Stahl jumped in and said, we can't. This is 60 Minutes. We couldn't possibly let you talk about that. There's no evidence that that's legitimate. That was 60 Minutes. They could have taken, they had the laptop. They had the copy of the laptop. They could have taken that information to any number of cyber experts in the country, in the world, to get it verified, but they didn't. They simply took the word of the leftist media, the other leftist media, followed right along and didn't give a damn about it. But that's that's 60 minutes, ladies and gentlemen. 60 minutes is so much integrity. <laughs> Poor Anderson Cooper. I think he really believes this crap, which is sad and scary, until you realize that he's a Vanderbilt and he's got more money than God. and He's just playing time-passing on CNN. You sit there and you go, how can Anderson Cooper not care about his poor ratings? Well, because if things don't work out for him, he just has his, you know, what, billion-dollar fortune to fall back on? It's a hell of a plan B. <laughs> I'd like to have that plan. Well, what if it doesn't work out for you, this this new venture that you're doing? Well, I suppose I'm going to have to fall back on uh, the family riches I had absolutely nothing to do with amassing, and uh, I'll somehow have to live off of them. I'll get by. It'll be tough. But somehow, I'll get by. <laughs> Not all heroes wear capes, but they all have gray buzz cuts and uh, horned room glasses and appear on 60 Minutes. That's all for today, I think, ladies and gentlemen, don't you? That's enough show. We'll have more show tomorrow because the stupid never stops. My God, even when you want it to, when you beg for it to. Neither will we. We'll hold them to account. Appreciate you listening. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.